Glad you can make it. And welcome to the Employee Cycle Podcast, where we talk to HR innovators, thought leaders, and even some disruptors about the latest in HR trends, HR tech, and you guessed it, HR data. Well, you've heard enough of me talking. Now let's start the show, 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 show. Hey, hey, and welcome back to the Employee Cycle Podcast. I'm your host, Bruce Marable, CEO of Employee Cycle, and you know us. With that HR analytics dashboard, helping you automate your HR reporting and analytics process. That's right, HR leaders. We know most of you are tired of pulling and managing messy, time-consuming, and tedious spreadsheets, trying to turn that into some type of data-driven story and narrative of your workforce, and then you come up for air and realize, I didn't get any time to actually analyze this data because I spent all my time in these spreadsheets, and you're scratching your head thinking there must be a better way. Well, look no further. That's why we created Employee Cycle, an HR analytics dashboard with pre-built integration connectors to the most popular HR systems out there. Simply connect your HR system to Employee Cycle, and within 15 minutes, we give you out-of-the-box, real-time HR dashboards. That's right, real-time, out-the-box. Go to EmployeeCycle.com, check us out. We'd love to give you a demo to talk about how we can help you automate your HR reporting and analytics. But that's enough about me and our company, because today we have an awesome guest. So please help me welcome to the show, Jason Chepanik. He's the Senior Vice President of Retirement and Wealth at One Digital. And today we're discussing how are retirement plans relevant in today's world. Jason, welcome to the podcast. Jason, welcome. I'm a guy who likes affirmations. So to start the podcast off with a clap, that's a nice beginning. Thank you. Oh, you're quite welcome. So, Jason, we're going to kick this thing off the best way we know how, and that's by asking you, how did you end up working in the wonderful world of HR? Well, thanks for the question, Bruce. Now, I've been doing this. Um, I, I graduated Tulane University in 1991, and my first job was working at IBM for three years. Um, but very quickly knew that I wanted to be in the investment business, um, and ultimately work with my father. My father was an HR. He was a, a benefits salesperson and a life insurance guy. And my dream growing up was to work with him. So I sort of knew all along that one day I would end up working in business with my father, who had started um, his consulting business back in the early 70s. And when I got into the financial services space, I was immediately attracted to the 401k business. I, I mean, I look back on it now. I think it's because it's a very complicated arena, but yet I was good at translating complicated things to very simple terms. And so I was a good communicator and just felt, it felt like a puzzle that I could always put together in my head and then describe to my client or prospective client what was going on. And so, you know, that at least from my angle, from human resources or HR, I always addressed the retirement plan and, and loved it. Even though my friends who were traditional financial services or financial advisors thought I was crazy because I was working harder than all of them. Um, when they were doing wealth management, it seemed easier. But you fast forward 20 years, and I became one of the largest in the country. So I guess it all worked out for me. Awesome. So glad it worked out, and so glad you're here providing value to the HR community. So, Jason, today we're talking about how are retirement plans relevant in today's world. Before we talk about its relevancy, what are retirement plans? Most people who aren't retirement age or nowhere close to retirement are definitely not thinking about their retirement plan. So if you could just give broad 
understanding or a broad description of retirement plans in general, and then we can dive we can dive deeper into the different types of plans and how are they relevant. But first, what are retirement plans in the first place, and why should people even care about them? Oh, great question. I mean, let's start at the beginning. A retirement plan is somebody who's planning for their future where they're not going to work any longer, at least not have an active paycheck, um, and, and that's the plan. It's um, you have to say, you know, the idea is. You have to have a plan to save little chunks of money throughout your entire working career so that the day you can stop working, at least not receive that paycheck in the door, and I can still live all my hopes, dreams, and desires. I can live the way I want to without the stress or the anxiety of that check coming in. That's something you can't really do when you're 55 or 60. You have to start at a young person as a young person and build a habit of saving as much as you can. And also be aware of not having debt. So you have the freedom and the flexibility to live the way you want to. Um, I, I don't love the word retire. I'm going to get into that in a minute, but in, in a minute, but I do love the word plan because it does take a long-term plan and build a structure of, hey, having habits that you're going to live within your means and you're going to sock away a few shekels for some future event that you haven't maybe even figured out what it's going to be, but you have to plan to live a long time and sock away money will help you last a long time. That's the essence of a retirement plan. Got it. As I'm listening to you talk, it made me think about people definitely being more familiar with their pension or maybe thinking about social security are they different? Are they the same? I mean, I would really like to break this down, especially for the non-HR people who are listening that just want to understand more about all this. Yeah, I mean, Social Security, we'll start there. Social Security was, was you know, was came around, I think, in the, in the mid-30s when it was, the idea was if you lived, um, if you lived, I think people were living that time to maybe early 70s or mid-70s. And they could work as hard as they could until their their mid sixties. And um, the idea of Social Security was, if you um, stopped working, you needed some sort of background so that you could feed your family, clothe yourself, and provide shelter. So there's a way that the government could support people to have a few extra dollars to do those things that they didn't save any money. Also, back in the thirties, forties, fifties, really up until the mid eighties, one of the traditional ways that companies would reward their employees was this pension idea, which meant the company you worked for. And oftentimes you work for a company for your entire working career. When you stop working, the company would reward you and pay you a monthly salary called a pension for the rest of your life. And so it was a way to, Hey, you work for me for 30 years and I'm going to make sure you have a paycheck that may be nominal, but something to help support you and your family. Um, throughout the rest of your life. But somewhere in the mid 80s, that stuff started to change where companies started to say, this is too expensive. Why should I put away money for your rest of your life when I need that money to support my company? And so this beginning was a very slow shift. It became very quick to the burden became on each of us as individuals to save for our own retirement. And that's when a 401k uh, came around, also known as a defined contribution plan. And there was a slow shift. And as that shift happened, the world of defined benefit, which is the technical term of a pension, because you're defining the benefit for somebody at the end, slowly started to kill off. I mean, I'll use that term, it's a blunt term, but that's what's happened. 
is uh, companies are just killing their defined benefit plans saying it's too expensive for us. We can't afford it. We're going to make you, Mr. and Mrs. Employee, save for your own future. Um, Social Security still sits out there. Um, if you make below $50,000, Social Security represents probably 60% of, of, um, of what you might need in retirement. Oftentimes, it could be enough to at least pay for food, clothing, and shelter. But it certainly isn't this dream that we talk about, I'm going to travel the world, and I'm going to golf and fish and do all these things and live this comfortable retirement. It's just a subsidy. It's to make sure that the government isn't paying for, you know, for, for us to, to, to feed ourselves. It's just a subsidy so we can get along, um, and it's supposed to last us the rest of our life. Of course, at the same time, Bruce, people from the 30s, I think average life expectancy was the early 70s, and now it's late 80s. And if you're happily married, it can be into the 90s. And there are people to, alive today that are going to live to 110 and 120. So the dynamics of the demographics have changed so much that we have to, you know, we, we make small shifts in our programs that employers have access to or the small shifts that the industry makes. But at the same time, we really have to be thinking about how do we make how do we create a program that allows for people to uh, to live their lives, their best lives, um, and, and to do it in a meaningful way? For most of the working population, especially in the U.S., who have retirement plans, are they typically getting those through their employer, or are they working with some type of financial advisor or some other person and or institution to implement a retirement plan? Also a great question. Most employers that are, I would say, 50 employees and above, certainly at 100 employees and above, are going to offer some sort of retirement plan because it's, you know, it's, it also helps you attract talent. We have a difficult time attracting talent. So if you're a company of at least that's at least 100 employees, you're going to have some sort of retirement plan um, as part of that company's uh, structure. If you're a small business and you've got 10 employees or 20 employees, there are still millions of companies and tens of millions of people, somewhere in the neighborhood of 50 million Americans that do not have access to a corporate retirement plan. Everybody has access to their own savings plan, including what's called an IRA or an individual retirement account. So you can still set one up for yourself, um, but it does take extra work. You have to have the knowledge and you have to either go through a bank or a brokerage firm or through a financial advisor to assist you. So there's access to them, but the most common way um, and the, I would just can say the best way is you work for an employer that has a plan in place um, and that will help educate you and your family on why to use that mechanism to save for your future. And for those employees who work at companies that offer this, do most companies offer some type of match like a 401k or is it more we have this plan set up for you and just put in as much money as you can? Uh, it depends what industry you're in. So I, more than half of companies in America do have some sort of contribution, a match or profit sharing of some sort, but it also means, right, tens of millions of companies and people do not. Um, the key here, though, Bruce, is you shouldn't rely on your company to put away extra money for yourself because that company might run into financial trouble. You might change jobs. And while it's a really nice extra gift, I would prefer somebody to save as much as they can for themselves. It's the same thing like, I sometimes liken it to a cupcake. You know, the icing is always tastes good, but it, but so does the cupcake. So let's just eat the cupcake. That's <laughs> our savings. The icing is a little extra, or I'll use a, a Louisiana term, lanyap, a little extra 
It goes on top. That tastes good too, but you can have a fulfilling meal with just the cupcake itself, which you can be responsible for by socking away your own money. You mentioned if a company has financial issues or troubles and then people have to bounce around to different companies, which so many people today do, do retirement plans typically move with the person so that could you move one retirement plan to another company and then they pick up that plan or do you have to start all over again and then that plan is the previous plan that you had with your previous employer just sits somewhere? How, how does that work? That's a great question also. Most people don't, they, they'll, they'll change jobs, they'll take the pictures of their family off their desk, they'll pack up their desk, but they leave their 401k plan behind. Sometimes they cash it out, which is the worst thing you can do. The best thing you can do is to make sure you're keeping up with what you have and rolling it or moving it to your next company. 95% or more of plans allow you to roll your old company's 401k into the new company's 401k. Have your money follow along. Um, then you can keep track of it. And we still come across tons of companies and people that have worked at 10 different places. They have 10 old 401k balances. Um, and sometimes they're small ones. They don't think anything of it. They'll just cash it out. That's the worst thing you can do. The best thing you can do is, you know, tag along and, and have it follow you from company to company. So today we're talking about how and if and why retirement plans are relevant in today's world. As we get so many people working as contractors, we have so many people working in the gig economy, Uber Eats, fixing people's furniture, delivering food, doing so many different things that are not the traditional jobs that we had even 10 years ago. How is that impacting how people have retirement plans, think about retirement plans, or even can get access to a retirement plan based off of where the workforce is going or where it already actually is? The segment of the, of the population that's at risk of not having one are the gig employees. The gig employees, independent contractors, means they have to do it all themselves. Those companies are not supporting them with the retirement plan, so you're spot on. They have to have the wherewithal. They have to access some sort of resource or really take that step on their own. Um, it's tough. And so um, a, a restaurant is a perfect example. Also, hospitality is a lot of turnover in that space. And oftentimes, management might have access to a plan, but not, as, not always the hourly employee. Um, so th those are the segments of our economy that are at risk of not having a retirement plan. And, and the risk is they're going to work forever. Um, by the way, I, I think working forever is totally fine. It's just what kind of work I'm going to do. I might just do volunteer work or I might do, you know, something fun for myself. So something that's healthy for my head and my mind and my body, but not necessarily a paycheck. But if I have not saved and no mechanism of saving, then you're at risk of, of not having any money in retirement. And then you know, there's a point in time where your body breaks down. You can't work forever. And so, again, you end up relying on Social Security, which um, is also an issue because Social Security calculations are based on how much you've saved, how much money you've made um, in your career. And so you basically pay into the system and they get it out on the backside. So this is the kind of question that most people don't even think about until it's almost too late when they're in their mid fifties or 60, and then start to think about, gee, I need to get serious about retirement. And that's the part of what we're doing that's, that's not right. You know, you, you gotta be thinking about it. You're better off 
saving as much as you can when you're 25 or 30, and then slowing down maybe later is a better path to take than to say, hey, I'm going to spend all my money and have fun, and I'm going to kick the can down the road and then one day address it. That's a very difficult thing to address, almost impossible. For the HR leaders that are listening to us talk right now, and they're thinking, you know what, Jason, we really need to do a better job of getting a higher adoption of our younger employee population adopting our retirement plans. We keep promoting it. We don't really see high adoption, early age. People just typically think of what's important to them in real time, which we all do. How do I go about promoting and communicating why it's such an important thing for our younger population, for it to resonate more with them? That's a... That's, it. that's that's the magic question. I think um, there's lots of ways to do it. Some of it is plan design. I'll get into that in a minute. Some of it is managing the message. You know, how do you communicate to people using relevant terms and images that look like your employees? But I'll, I'll take a step back and say it actually starts with company leadership. That my, my best plans that we've got in the books, doesn't matter what industry, I've got them all industries, have three things in common. There's a commitment from leadership. That means the owner or the C-suite, you know, CEO, CFO, that they believe that retirement plan is an important part of the reward system. It's an important part of their culture. And they want to make sure their employees are engaged. So if the commitment from leadership is there, you're typically going to see people be passionate about it and you're going to have more success. Number two is, is an active and engaged decision-making process. There's a committee that meets throughout the year and talks about, hey, how does this plan working for us? Not how does it work for the record keeper, the vendor, but how does it work for our company? Are we designing it the way that matches our employees' goals? And the final one is you have to be willing to listen to a new idea and have the courage to implement some. There's a lot of connective tissue between people that have saved money for their future are happier. Um, and and they're, they're your best employees. They're less stressed because they know they're on the right track. And when you're less stressed, you show up to work every day focused. And when you're less stressed, you show up and you're happy and you're engaged with your other employees and you tra- you tell your friends, hey, come work at my company. So the retirement plan can be an integral part of, uh, of supporting your culture, not just a mechanism to save for people's you know, retirement, if that's the right term or not, but it's bigger than that. And I, th- I do believe in this idea that if people are less stressed, they're going to do your best work right? And happy employees produce the best work product and they lift your company up. And if people aren't happy and they're stressed because they don't have any money, they haven't saved for retirement, they're showing up stressed at work. They're not focused. They're logging on to see, can I pay my rent, my car payment? They have health issues. Perhaps they take it out with some bad habit, like eating too much or drinking too much or have marital or relationship issues. So there's a direct correlation between saving for retirement and this idea of financial well-being and your culture. And if companies think about it that way, I think you can have a lot more success if companies say, you know what, this is important. It's not about the match. It's not about our investments. It's making sure that we are intentionally supporting this idea that our employees need to be saving. We're going to help them if we can with a match or whatnot, but we're going to help them with educating them on why they need to be saving for their future and their family's future. And by the way, saving isn't just about retirement. How about emergency savings? How about do you have enough money if you've got a flat tire? What if you're in the hospital and you have a deductible that you can't meet? 
What about helping with the basics, which is let's have enough money for a rainy day. Um, and, and I think something like half of this country has access to $400 in case of an emergency. And access means a credit card. It doesn't necessarily mean cash. So I think retirement is an important one, but I think we think about this subject in general. It's about saving for all of these things, for today, for tomorrow, for a rainy day. And if we're fortunate, save a few extra dollars to give back to help your community. Because if our communities aren't healthy, neither are we. So I think it's a bigger picture um, when you start thinking about savings in general and how does it all work together. Um, and, and when companies engage like this, like they, these questions, Bruce, magic happens. They, they get it. It's not just about we're going to copy what our neighbor's retirement plan is doing, our competitor. We want to create something special for our team members. And when that ha- starts to happen, you can create, it, it really, it, it speaks back to that culture. You create great cultures and great cultures have great people and so on and so forth. That was a great summary, Jason, and I can definitely talk to you all day about this because this is so fascinating and I'm learning a lot. But I do want to ask you one last question. You covered a lot of detail around retirement plans, how they work, how you can promote them, how to get more adoption. My last question for you is if there's one thing that you want our audience to remember, or you can answer this in a different way because you've been on a couple podcasts, if there's one question that you wish you would have been asked to answer, what would that be? I think for, for me, and my father was a financial planner, so it's different perhaps for me. But I think the question we should be asking ourselves is what does retirement look like to me? I mean, I, if, my answer is I, I, wanna tra- I do want to travel the world. I like to volunteer. I would like to teach, whether that's in a school or a university. But if I can say out loud, just simply answer the question is, what does retirement look like to me? Once I say it out loud or I write it down, I can then hold myself accountable. I can show it to my financial advisor or my peer group and say, help me make this happen. I can revisit it in a year or three years or five years and say, how much progress have I made? So I think the idea of asking what it looks like is the first one, whether it's a storyboard or written down or a recorded video. That's where we start is what's the dream look like in my head? What's the movie in my head look like? Tell somebody, hold yourself accountable. It's not just about manifesting what it's going to be, but that word plan is the most important thing. What's our plan going to be? And I think if we start that as a young person, knowing that that too will change, we have technology today that we can record ourselves. We certainly have the ability to write it down or draw it. And we will revisit what that looks like each and every year. I think, I think not only do I get that affirmation, how affirming is it if you look back and say, look what my dream was and look how much closer I am. So I, and not just that, I'm a math guy. So if I can say out loud what the dream looks like, a financial planner can help build the math to support that. And then each year you revisit it. And, and I think that's the stuff we're not doing today. We're, we're talking to people about you need $4 million in retirement or, it's such a large number people give up or we speak about terms like stocks or bonds or inflation or you hear about a a bank going under and we get nervous and we're not really using relevant terms it's as simple as what do you want what's the dream look like let me help you get there and i think that's where we can begin um we can do a much better job and by the way that's also free you don't have to pay an advisor to come up with a dream um 
you know, and, and as an employer, think about that. If you go to all of your employees and say, record a one minute video of what does retirement look like to you? Then we're going to have fun and share it with everybody. And then we're going to help each other get there. That's a free idea. You don't have to hire a record keeper to do that. And I think we can do, we, we can be sharing and you know, socialize these ideas with our peer groups and simple ideas like that can go a long way. Um, and it's fun. Jason, that was such an awesome answer. And I think somebody's going to probably use that on Instagram as a quote of inspiration. Um, you, you don't have to pay an advisor to come up with dreams. <laughs> dreams are free. I love that. So, Jason, thank you so much for being a guest on our podcast. Thank you for dropping so many wisdom bombs around retirement plans and everything just in this world has just been so helpful for our audience. And I'm sure people are going to reach out to you. But the same way that we started it with that positive affirmation, thank you so much, Jason. <laughs> Woo! Thank you! Thank you, because you're the one having the courage to, to make this podcast come to life. Thank you for changing the world. Oh, I appreciate that. So, Jason, where can people find you and One Digital online? Um, well, go to jchepnick at onedigital.com. Uh, onedigital.com, you can access uh, all 3,500 employees' information, and, and then you can track me down that way. So I'm also on LinkedIn, and, uh, you know, you just uh, – I appreciate you all reaching out whenever you can. I'll be glad to help anybody, um, no matter the outcome. Uh, the world is round, and we believe in being net givers. So, Bruce, um, you're doing great stuff here, and keep on charging on. Thank you. Really appreciate it. And we'll be sure to include all your contact info in the show notes. So for everyone out there listening who enjoyed this episode as much as Jason and I did making it, please leave us a five-star rating. That would be awesome. Also, if this is your very first time listening to our podcast and you're either already a huge fan of Jason and just had to hear what he was going to say, or you're super interested in this topic and that's how you got here, but now you're hungry for more topics and interviews, please subscribe to the Employee Cycle Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all other major platforms. And last but not least, all of you super awesome HR and people leaders out there, please continue to hire, train, and retain the best workforce possible. Thanks. Later, kids.